So hi Matthias, your Tech Eleven company uh, begins to be begins to be famous. So at the latest Airhex in Munich, there was one guy from Italy, and I just mentioned Tech Eleven, and he told, "Hey, I, I know them. I, he already chatted with you. Are you doing actually well?" Yeah, yes, uh, yes, uh, it's 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 going good. Um, yes, and for um, also we try to grow a little bit in a more international. So things are going are going good. So Everything it's now. international. What what do you mean? So uh, you are expanding from Germany to where? Yeah, uh, from a business point of view, also one of our next country uh, could be Italy. We have some details, uh, some plans, uh, maybe in the middle of the year to found a subsidiary in Italy. Yeah, this is actually great news. And, and and why Italy? So you have lots of clients in Italy. Also, what's the point? Um, no, not clients. <laughs> it's an investment more or less. But uh, we are providing insurance software. And Italy is uh, a very interesting market from a sales point of view for insurance. Hey, cool. And um, so we already chatted, I don't know, a couple of episodes ago about your architecture backend and so forth. So you are doing post uh, uh, progress. So are you still, you know, satisfied with your choices or how is doing your backend? Uh, our backend is, um, yeah, it's good, but we have some changes, uh, which uh, from a technical point, which was a lot of effort. We created our application to have a pure micro-profile client structure inside. Mm -hmm. uh, because of our backend services, provides always also um, a Java client. Mm -hmm. And doing this, uh, this was a good approach. But from a build point of view, there were some uh, let me say some challenges to implement the micro-profile client everywhere. But um, so, uh, from a business point of view, working quite good. We are able to implement very fast new features. That's a good thing, and but we try to implement also some. to have some side effects like uh, open API YAML files for the REST API generation and so on. And this is what we are focusing from a tech point of view. So, what do you said by the microprofile clients? Uh, you mean the REST clients? So you you are using yeah. it right now, or you don't using it anymore? We we using it at the moment uh, because we have a set of microservices mm -hmm. and to uh, provide our consumers a more friendly possibility to access. Mm -hmm. We have always a char files for mm -hmm. always our a client char file for all of our microservices. And so we introduced the microprofile client to have this a bit more easy to have also a clear structure with, it, with uh, the API to decouple the API a little bit better from the uh, backend entities. Oh, so what you said is that uh, before that you had uh, just JaxRS clients, so they the 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 microservices communicated with each other with JaxRS client, and right now you switch to a TypeSafe interface, which is injected by micro micro profile REST client, right? Uh, this was the first version, exactly. But in the in the uh, as a midterm step, we uh, extracted some entity beans and built a char file. It was not very clean. Uh, but we did a Maven hack, let me say, to extract only the entity beans to be type safe also on the client. Ah, because so you are using before. the entity beans uh, twice, and uh, probably you are yeah. you build your Maven plugin which searches for entity package and yeah. then exports everything, I, right? Exactly. This was uh, first as an interim step, but now we have a, a clean microprofile REST client uh, project. So this means our projects have. Uh, it's a multi-POM. Our microservices are multi-POM projects. One module with a server and one with a client. And the client contains the interfaces for the microprofile REST client and the DTOs. Mm -hmm. And we integrate this into the server to be a bit more stable on the API. 
And are the DTOs JSONB object or what are they? Yeah, uh, JSONB object is. This was also uh, one of our progress that we migrated everything from JSON to JSONB. Mm -hmm. um, sounds also more easy uh, than it was in reality. There was some problem with uh, JSON in the back end, so not everything worked. So which problem was it with JSON? Uh, for example, uh, as a as a specification is absolutely right, but we used, for example, a ordered uh, uh -huh. yes, uh, ordered um, objects. So and in JSON, uh, you so it's like a linked hash map, mm -hmm. but this is not supported completely by JSON. So uh, that you have always the same order. In the end, doesn't matter. But for some test cases, so we have to change our test cases because before we expected. If we have some object with the keys that is always in the same order, and this was something which okay. was different. So what you learned is uh, always rely on standards, right? <laughs> uh, exactly on the hardware. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And uh, how you deal with versioning? So what seems to me, if you have a multi-pom project, so it means the client mm -hmm. is always going to be versioned together with the backend, right? Yes, exactly. So, and is it a problem for you? I mean, because what happens right now is if I would like to call one of your services, I will, I will get from you a client jar, but this jar comes with a specific version. So I'm bound to the version. And then you upgrade the backend. So what happens mm -hmm. with my client? So you will have to tell me, hey, Adam, please uh, upgrade your client, right? Or you need a communication channel between the teams or between the yes. micros. Okay. Yeah, yes, but um, so in the first step, it's... Um... Yes, we do so, but we have some checks if the version is different just to lock some warnings. Mm -hmm. So if the version is in the client, in the server, and we follow from a versioning point of view, we follow the major minor patch level. So mm -hmm. if you're doing right uh, on a patch level, shouldn't matter. Also minor level, we only extend the API, so should work fine. And um, But this, is, this could become a problem if somebody is using a very old client with a new server. Mm -hmm. Yes, but then we have the warnings and Yes, but uh, but this but this, this only happens about. internally inside your service cloud or, or inside your cloud, right? This is just yeah. how you, how your teams communicating with each other. Yeah. It's not like you're exposing this to the outside world, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. The outside world use our uh, standard REST client, uh, but uh, we orchestrate our microservices. Um, let me say it's more or less uh, a SOA architecture with microservice technology. Mm -hmm. We have uh, some. Uh, we have a BPM engine, and the BPM engine communicates with the microservices, and we're doing this via our clients. Mm -hmm. But on this level, also, our we be doing also the customizing if some of our customers have some special requirements. We do this on this level, and this means on this customizing level, we're using our Java clients. But uh, we're working here very, very close together always with the customer. So if we have some updates, normally the clients push us to say, say I would like to have a new client. So it's... Um, Uh, unusual situations that we have a uh, very uh, um, the latest server version and work with uh, very old clients in special we working for as uh, insurance industry and doing core insurance so it's not a mass business so we will not have hundreds of clients so actually what what you could do is you could provide a something like you know a version service where your client can can just um, uh, um, register a webhook And you can notify the client that you are working on a new version or the next version is going to, to come soon, right? So, uh, yeah, sounds, sounds very good, yes. yes. Sounds like this or, uh, yeah, yeah. So, or RSS feed or something like this, automated. Yeah. So they can subscribe, you know, from a reader yeah. because uh, this is hard to automate. They cannot just automatically yeah. pick the new, new version, but at least they get, you know, notified that something happened. And you could use, uh, I don't know how, how advanced your client are, 
But RSS yeah. feed would be a good start. This is what I did 10 years ago. I, uh, so, uh, and yeah. But uh, what you could do right now, Slack channel, whatever, I say, okay, if there's a new version, automate that. So it's okay. We, uh, Tech 11, you know, released the version 1.1. So it is going to be in production in three months. This is, if you if you have a good connection to the client, this could actually work well, right? Sure, we have this good connection. This means also we uh, meet us normally every two weeks, also physical, so and have a chat together and so on. So it's... Okay. Um, so, so we, so this is as the communication is doing uh, good because of more important to produce good release notes because yeah. of the client trust. But uh, from the client is more interested in what are the features mm -hmm. should we do the update. So uh, this is uh, this is much more complicated to explain always uh, the latest features in a way which is understandable for all participants. Yeah. Okay. And your, you know, and your decision to choose MicroProf and Jakarta is still right, or you say, okay, no, this was a no huge problem because it looks at easy at the beginning and then becomes to be hard. So you're still satisfied with the choice? Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely happy with the choice. Uh -huh. uh, but to be uh, honest, I also have not experienced uh, so deep experience. For example, if you're using the .NET stack or something else, yeah. um, I believe it would be also a, a choice which will work, but. Um, with JE, we have no problems. Everything is fine. So, so I'm happy with this. And, and what's about your developers? Are also happy? Okay, we hire developers which are happy with the technology. <laughs> okay. I, I, I believe. So uh, I would like to avoid uh, to start this, uh, let me say, discussion. Should we use uh, Spring.net uh, uh, some other framework? So uh, if somebody is not happy with Jakarta E or Java, then we are the wrong company. No, but um, yeah, of course. But uh, you know, uh, uh, in a couple of days, I will meet another startup, and uh, the guy just comes to me and and, and always, you know, says, uh, in, "It's incredible how performant the application servers are." It's like, a, I mean, yeah, I mean, they were never different, and he just laughs, and because he had no no further uh, experience with Java, and now he is really happy. So this is a uh, funny to observe for me, you know, that someone is that excited about the servers without any prior Java knowledge, is why I'm asking you, you know, is still going well or not? Just, okay. Yeah. And uh, also uh, funny, um, I mentioned Tech11 in one of my, I think, HexTV, and one of your developers said, Ingvi, like, the best company ever. So, uh, so okay, uh, I have to be no... <laughs> so it's uh, interesting. Um, how big is your team right now? In the meanwhile, we are 17 people. 17? Hiring. Yeah, it's 17. We try to grow, uh, yes, 17 people, and our idea is to grow up to 25 in the middle of the year. Okay, and uh, mm -hmm. you mentioned that uh, at the, uh, after the last show, an AHX TV show, you got some requests uh, regarding the interview. Is it, is it, is it true? Yeah, yes, yes, it was, uh, was quite cool. And I, uh, we have now uh, developers from Nigeria, uh, Cameroon, and Ghana. Mm -hmm. I said... Uh, and say follow your show. So it's a great team we have here, and but also some uh, more uh, people in Germany, of course. Um, and I think also from Italy we have some requests. But sometimes the collaboration is not so easy. Let me say if you work with people from all over the world, you have to respect also the tax, the health insurance, how this is working. And this is sometimes a little bit complicated from an administrative point of view. Okay. Um, yeah, but this is where we have to manage, and this is where we have sometimes, okay, even if we say the developer is a very good candidate, sometimes the administrative border are too high uh, to manage is for, for us as a small company, yeah. and this depends. Yeah. 
Um, what's also funny, at the latest uh, Airhex uh, in Munich, the workshops, there was an attendee from Nigeria, but it was not one of your developers. Yeah. And the cool story is he came and he uh, spent 16 hours in the airplane. But uh, yeah. the, uh, even more interesting, there was another guy, it was an architect from Sweden, uh, no, from Finland. And he decided to come by train just as an experiment. And he spent 24 hours in the train. <laughs> so actually, <laughs> okay. he was eight hours faster than the guy from Nigeria, which is actually interesting, right? And uh, uh, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for the AHEX, uh, two guys of my team joined also the, uh, one of your AHEX workshops in Munich was Tang from Vietnam, but he's uh, located in Munich, NHL. Ah, um, okay. And they traveled by train, but from Würzburg, and this was also a nightmare. To visit yeah. the, the airport at 9 uh, a.m. in the morning, even if it's by car, you need two and a half hours. By train, was a, was a, was a challenge to do this, uh, to come to the airport in New York. I now remember, there was one guy who apologized, came late, because there was some problem with the train at the day. Uh-huh. So the, 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 the train got redirected, and uh, this was a shame. But uh, uh-huh. the guy was pretty pretty nice, actually. So uh, did he like uh-huh. the, the workshops? Y- yes. Uh, there was two guys, I think, Joel and Tang, and uh, he was very impressed. But okay. Of course, uh, because it was a deeper understanding. One of uh, come with a little bit spring background. That's, okay. uh, that's the cool stuff that he's he's a very, very it's, it's cool. It's very productive what we are doing. Um, and Tang was from Bamberg, so but uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's very uh, happy with the stack and likes the show. Perfect. I think he had some discussion. He uh, in the end of the show he said he had some discussion with you and he. Uh, Forget to go to the train, and then he come also very late. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I remember the the guy from Bamberg because the, if someone uh, comes from Bamberg, I always ask the question whether he knows Schlenkeler, you know, the the uh, uh, know. <laughs> beer beer from Bamberg. So like, yes, yes. Okay, then you are from Bamberg. So um, so it's cool. Exactly. So um, so I'm really happy that actually is is going that well, and uh, I would even say. It is. I thought a lot about your company. The, the, the funny stuff is, we didn't met in person for ten years, I guess. So I only know you from your developers and from the AHEX. But um, I think you know, self-constraining for a technology could be a huge advantage, because uh, this is actually also what what I am doing. Because I was like, okay, now let's start without any dependencies, and then I am forced, you know, as okay, this is my choices, and I have to choose one and go with it. So I spent less time, you know, what's what's you know what's on horizon, which technology to choose, is this technology going to disappear or not? So I don't have to go the whole investigation. And uh, I had yesterday a workshop in, in a finance industry, and they told me exactly the same. They stick actually with Java and uh, and 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 Jakarta now, and, and prior was Java E, because it runs for years, and they are sure that uh, actually the you know there 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 is no a huge danger on the horizon. So okay, this is interesting to know. And um, what's also interesting, I do the same in web standards uh, in the front end, and I want, wanted to talk a little bit with you about the uh, front end today. And it seems like, per accident, we are doing exactly the same. So you already mentioned uh, the last time you have lit HTML, you are using web components, and I don't, don't know whether you know that actually Apple, you know Apple Music? Mm, no, I'm not the Apple guy. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, uh, so you're a Linux guy or a Windows guy? Windows. Okay. On my, uh, on my machine, Windows, but on the surface, of course, Linux, yeah. but uh, Windows. So um, uh, there's an Apple Music app on, this is like Spotify. It's just uh, yeah. the same just for Apple. And this is a native app. And Apple released in November a web version of that. And uh, it looks exactly the same, but it's in web. And they introduced um, a view web components. It, uh, so it is built on, on, on web components, the entire app by Apple. 
And uh, this, of course, uh, no cost as storm of articles, yeah, web components are back or whatever. But not only Apple. Uh, so a lot of companies, meanwhile, uh, this is like uh, I, I, I tried to do some research and I found you know, another references, you know, Porsche and, and Volkswagen, SIP, clear. And uh, and uh, what what happens with my other uh, startups I coach? Uh, you you choose the technology by accident, but the others which I uh, so I we started with web components two years ago. I would say two years ago was not that sure that it will win, but right now they say okay, thank you. This was the best possible choice because again you know the self constraining. So they go to MDN Mozilla Developer Network if they have a question and they find the solution. This is more like engineering developer approach, and and. And you are done. So, um, so now the question is, what you are doing in the in the front end? So, is, is it also um, a HTML web component, or what are you using? Uh, what, we are do, what we are doing uh, at the moment, we're just using uh, web components from MDN mm -hmm. and doing the rendering with lit HTML. Mm -hmm. This is more or less what we are doing. And but not lit HTML, some... right? Not lit element, rather than just lit HTML, right? Yeah, we're using only lit HTML. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly the, what I'm doing. Perfect. Uh -huh. But because the, the components. Um, Many of uh, what we are doing, and so very often, let me say, we just uh, read some data from the uh, database mm -hmm. and display them. It's often the case for reporting stuff, and so we have no real need for um, because uh, many of our components are read only with some buttons for drill down, mm -hmm. so uh, not too complicated, and so, so there is no real need to use lit HTML with these functionalities. And the few functionalities lit HTML would provide to us was also not a big thing just to develop. I think we have one abstract component, a class, an abstract component that we have, which has 50 lines of code, which takes care about uh, the binding of all the attributes. Yeah, this is exactly what I do. So I always have my abstract element. I co call it differently yeah. to the project. And this, uh, uh, I import the lit HTML there and have a method like, you know, this is, uh, I don't, I'm not sure about the name, about the method. The proper name would be render, but it collides with lit HTML render. So sometimes I call it view changed or sometimes, you know, re-render oh. or whatever. And, and this is called by, by what? Sometimes by custom uh, events and sometimes by Redux. The question, are you using Redux or are you not using Redux? No, we don't use it. But we, we make some sort if we should introduce it. But mm -hmm. uh, I... I see no real added value for our applications to use yeah. something like Redux because our components contains the logic and this single state in the application. So um, the component has its state and that's fine. But uh, so to, in, in, to, to introduce Redux, uh, maybe I don't uh, do right because of, yeah, I had a lot of discussion with the React guys which say without Redux you cannot build a, a powerful web application. But at the moment I'm, I, I don't miss anything and it works. <laughs> so in, one, in one project, we use uh, React and without Redux, and it works also perfectly. So, uh, and we started with React without Redux, and Redux came later. Mm -hmm. um, it, I'm using currently actually Redux in one of my projects, and this is more complicated. So I have lots of writes, and uh, the what's amazed me how well it works with web components as well. So Redux, what the architecture is, is exactly the same boundary control entity. So um, I have my web components, high-level components. It talks to a service, and uh, the difference is you're always uh, calling down void, so there is no return value. And uh, the service just, you know, uh, talks to backend via fetch or not and creates, it gathers data and then creates the dispatch action, the Redux action. And, um, yeah, and then uh, there is a reducer which wakes up and, and changes the state in the store. And now it comes. What happens is just 
uh, there is one single component which subscribes to the change events, and this is the abstract element, and uh, and this causes re-render of all components. So this is the cool mm. part. So uh, if we you have the abstract elements, what you only have to do is you know to subscribe the view re-render or view change to Redux, and you are set. So and this worked perfectly um, for. But I'm writing more than I'm reading in my current yeah. application. In your case, I can imagine it doesn't make any sense. But the question is, where are you storing this, the state? Not directly in the component, I would suggest, uh, suppose, rather than in, in a service, right? Yes, uh, we have service classes, but sometimes um, we have different kinds of components. Some, some, uh, sometimes like a, a root component or some, uh, a page view is inside. Mm -hmm. Then you have a lot of nested components. Mm -hmm. And we, we developed... Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's a component where we call uh, the context, mm -hmm. and we, in this component we keep the state, and each component which are inside has access to the state. Ah, this is a React-like so, um, architecture. This is like in React yeah. was the same. Like you know, the they call yeah. it dump component and smart component, I think. And the smart components had the state, and the leaves had just were okay rendered. Okay. So, and, and what we are doing for communication is just a, a similar uh, as you mentioned. Uh, our abstract component has a kind of message dispatcher just to inform the context that something changed mm -hmm. and if this changed the context just call for each nested components please re-render the view mm -hmm. and this is done in i think 20 or 30 lines of code yeah, yeah. So nothing uh, so complex that we have to introduce uh, a completely framework where everybody have to double check how it's working and so so for this was for me two less functionality that we introduced a full let me say, development stack like React. Uh, React could be even reasonable, but uh, the others are not. And uh, I don't know, uh, do, do you have a local build? No, right? You don't need any build locally. You, okay, you mean uh, NPM. packaging tool? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, we, have, um, we, we don't uh, provide any NPM packages. We, we use some for lit HTML, but this is something that we use for the build process. For this, we are not completely happy at the moment how this is working. Uh, for the build process, uh, we just make some tests to use only E6 modules without any build tools. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, at the moment, we use Parser to package everything. Mm -hmm. And we, in the meanwhile, we have a branch just to check the stuff, how it's working if we use only E6 modules. But uh, on the first tests, the performance was uh, slower just to load everything. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we have to analyze why because of it's not completely clear why it's, it's because we're talking about 40 percentage to load everything uh, takes a bit more longer so this is something where we uh, where we think about just to change also to uh, um, native ES6 modules without any builder mm -hmm. but we are still using parcel uh, the reason why we do this because of normally I would say it's working good no reason to change but we have the need for um, using more dynamic imports to load web components from a server and use them. And this is working with the um, dynamic import very very well mm -hmm. with the ESX modules, but some of the builder like Parcel have problems doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, coming back to the to the uh, communication between components, so, uh, in my current application is similar, uh, uh, re but uh, let's say, exactly, so I had a table which can be edited and this uh, builder table because, uh, yeah, because it, it, it was uh, easier that way. And um, the rows, uh, if you change a row, the row will uh, uh, throw or raise an event, custom event, dispatch an event, and this event is going to be uh, to be received by the table itself. 
And this table then knows, you know, what changed and um, and changes the state of the store. So this is uh, so I have a hybrid of your architecture and mm. and the uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is how it works and so as well. And on the side note, I don't use parcel. This is the main difference between us. I always use rollup. So since uh, since I use the npm tools, and um, I always use the ES6 modules. And now co uh, come back to the performance. The problem you probably get, you have a lots of, you know, um, um, uh, recently we did some uh, performance investigation with ES6 uh, application, and it happened that at start, it, uh, uh, it, uh, at once it requested 150 files from the server. This was fine-grained communication, but this was everything. So, And, of course, if at once you get 150 requests to your server, your server will have to ready, you know, to answer this. So you, you have to, to, to really think about threats, and the uh, request queue, so you have to a lot of threads in place, you know, ready to go. And um, and what you can do with that, this would be what I would investigate in your case. You could actually write a Jakarta e service delivery service with servlet 3.0, read all the JavaScript files, and in advance put it to browser cache. And this should, you know, change it other way around because then if you do import. You you not will go to the server. The browser fetches it from the cache. Yes, this sounds very interesting. Yes, and I started with that. If you if you go if you uh, on my blog like servlet three zero gsf or whatever, I I, I I think I wrote a post. And if not, I showed it on the AHEX uh, in Munich. So I'm not sure. But if then I will re rewrite the post. And um, I actually run, uh, wanted to start an open source project, but at no time, you know with a servlet which just uh, searches for JS files and proactively pushes them to the browser cache. It is, it is like three-liner, and, yeah. and you are done. Yeah. Okay. And, well, uh, I think we should experiment a little bit with this. Yeah, and uh, I, you probably know Prime Faces, right? Yeah, of course, yes. Yeah, and with, uh, they did it with Prime Faces. So they improved the improv um, uh, um, performance of Prime Faces if, I don't know the version right now, but in... Uh, as Java E8 came out, so they came with mm -hmm. Servlet 3.0, and Prime Faces did it. So they, in advance, pushed all the resources in advance to the browser, and they greatly improved the performance to um, comparing to the uh, to the other Prime Faces. And this feature is from HTTP2, and if you use the feature, only then makes sense to use ES6 imports. But then the performance should be stellar. Without this feature, you have to use a build tool. Yeah. Okay. So this we have to check because of, uh, but. Also, if you push everything to the browser cache, I think the first uh, the, f the first load of the page, because for us it's exactly what you mentioned. You uh, enter the page and we have 150 requests or JS files which mm -hmm. are imported. Mm -hmm. And I think the first time uh, we have to do to the browser cache or do you mean to the, the files are cached, then we have to think about how to update the files and so on if we have the new version on the server. I think this is something we have also to think about. Yes. Uh, yeah, mm. but uh, I mean, you are in control. You are building an app. What you you, you could uh -huh. do, you have yeah. uh, the service worker, and service worker has access access to the actual cache, so you can do whatever you like, right? Yeah. You can drop the cache, remove the cache. So actually, you are in the nice situation that you are controlling the environment. So it is more like, you know, back then a web start app. So th this is what we have the control, and we have exactly the same problems. You know how to replace the jars, uh -huh. and and yeah. But you could okay. even rename the you, if you have the servlet. The servlet can yeah. rename the files, you know, so uh, yeah. you can introduce hashes or whatever. But um, have, having said that, uh, we never use uh, the. Uh, you, you always, as, as I started with the web standards a couple of years ago, there was no build tool. And why I'm ask, why I'm yeah. asking you that is 
because developers really enjoy that. So if there is nothing locally, they can you know they can just start hacking uh, with browser sync or without. There was n nothing to set up, which is really enjoyable. Absolutely, so developer experience uh, using just browser sync. This is what we did in our parallel test branch. Uh, it's much better. So the so local uh, experience for developers, it's 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 quite cool. But uh, now for the build, uh, if we double check this on the container, so was um, performance maybe was a bit slower and I think I will double check this and uh, we have, if we solve this then I will also change to go um, to use only six modules this is also I think it depends because we have no need for transpiling any longer for our system so yeah um, this will be the more there will be more Jakartaistic way of going you know so there's like <laughs> just yeah, six yeah. modules another thing which can help you I don't know whether you are aware of this is another standard called resource hints and uh, what you can do, there are uh, links called rel preload. And if you do this, you can force the browser to preload stuff in advance. And if you have like a login page or landing page, we do it in this page. So we know, you know, in the next page, uh, we need the application so we can preload our stuff because we control the entire stack. And then the performance is even better. So if you search for resources, this can also help you. So yeah. I'm really curious. So in the next podcast, I will ask you what's the performance difference, but I would expect like, you know, 100% better. <laughs> I hope so, yes. I hope so, yeah. Um, but as I said, just to sum up, this is um, working very good at the moment, uh, but I think this is also working because of we providing a B2P application, so uh, it's not, uh, so we know the browsers of our client or consumers. So... Uh, we can just say using Chrome or Firefox, and if you have Internet Explorer, we can just say we don't support it. Yeah, That's but, but in our world, uh, even with the Internet applications, uh, uh, exactly the same experience. So my clients, uh, so I showed them, you know, um, what's, what's the name of the page? Like, you can check out the features. Uh, can I use? Can I use, exactly. And they say, yeah. look, uh, for this feature, we have 0, 0, 001 yeah. you know, percent usage, so now is your decision. Should we introduce a crazy complex pipeline and just forget the browser? And with the introduction of uh, of Edge uh, being actually Chrome, yeah. so using the Chrome engine, uh, and Firefox is really great right now with web components, so there's actually, I don't know, with, do you have any issues with Firefox? Uh, no, so far. So yeah. we're developing on Firefox on Chrome, so it depends on the developer. Yeah. Uh, our, our customers using Firefox, Mm -hmm. So everything fine. Yeah, by the I, way, I the developer the, the developer experience on Firefox is amazing. So the developer tools is uh, even better than on on Chrome. Do you know the CSS script, for instance? Y yes, I know. Yes. Yeah, this is a uh, crazy good in, in in Firefox actually. Yeah, uh, because of, uh, uh, normally I I'm a Chrome guy. Let me say I'm using okay. Chrome, but um, our UI developers using Firefox and. Yeah, as I showed me also the performance charts, uh, the Chrome developer toolpath looks a bit better from my point of view. So I have also think about if I should switch to uh, Firefox for yeah. development. What you should do, you so. should switch to Firefox for four weeks and see what how it goes. You know, just use Firefox yeah. for four weeks and then switch back. This is what I do frequently. I just, you know, say, okay, yeah. uh, this month I will just use Firefox and, and, and learn new stuff and then switch back to Chrome. And uh, okay. what does Amaze... Why do you uh, switch back? Why do you switch back? If if you are satisfied, why do you switch back to Chrome? Yeah, because you know I'm I'm not a product developer, so I I join different teams, and if someone uses uh, Chrome, I okay. still have to help them. I cannot tell them you know use Firefox. Okay, yeah. okay this is all okay. I need a knowledge in all the browsers, not just one. So yeah. this is 
my problem but uh, i also enjoy the switching so this is why you know i use now visual studio code and i use netbeans and i use intellij i I'm a little bit bored if i spend too much time with ides so i'm very strict with the libraries but less strict with my development environment i like the change i really enjoy the change okay cool and um, what's uh, what's um interests me as well uh you you mentioned briefly that your developers you you, you had some react developers so what do you, um, and 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 what's the reaction uh, to web components so as, uh, as I may imagine so if, if a framework developer hears uh, uh, the first time you know we are not using any frameworks you say okay it's impossible this is a reaction from 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 my projects but right now you know what's what's the re- reaction from from the from the uh, framework developers do, do they like the you no know, plain plain way of going or they still miss the framework um, it's uh, so we have two guys let me say one I left the company <laughs> Okay. He's, he's, he's completely fascinated from React and he would like to develop React apps. And, and okay. The other one is, uh, which have a React background. That's quite cool. And he said, he, he liked it very much. And he said, it's, it's also more easy, um, because of what he was said about. We have so much small, uh, libraries in React where you can add and add NASA framework on top and there's a approach and a pattern. And his opinion, it's much more clean now. So, Nothing where you have a double check if there's another library out there. You can just go to MDN and see what's going on. And the most time we find the solutions there. And then we can think about do we have the need for another library or something else. Mm-hmm. So, but what I see is that React is very popular and very, many of the young front-end developers uh, love to work with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, I mean this is understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. So React. Uh, I mean, uh, for, to to the to our listeners, um, if you if they will see what you are doing with web components, it is like React knockoff, right? It it, it looks like yeah. React, but it isn't React. This is actually lit HTML with web components. On this is, but it will behave like React. And if you look at the React Redux integration and what I told you, this is almost identical. So uh, uh, and but React is more optimized, you know, for uh, they have no new rendering engine. So if you're building games, for instance, you could build very easy games with React. It's going to be a little bit harder with our technology. It would be available. It would be doable, but you you will have to you know to to yeah. think longer about that. So um so and and the other guy left the company not because it was not doable, because he enjoyed React more, right? Yeah, okay, exactly. So it was everything fine, and I said okay, it was it was nothing that we was. Uh, was it, but because if I can understand, if you say, okay, I, I love these technologies and I say, go for it if you're not open. So I, I will, I will not convince people that they have to do this. Mm-hmm. So, um, otherwise they should have fun at work, of course. And if you say he is more happy with React, so then it's his choice. So, but, um, I cannot, I, I also from a company point of view, we will not change our UI technology, technology every few months or something else. So this is not possible. And, I still believe in this web components approach and I like it very much because what we have, our need is, for our need is this uh, web components uh, match perfectly, I believe. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're talking with young developers, they would like to test a little uh, stuff. They would like to, if you go to a JavaScript conference, everybody's talking about React and so maybe 70, 80% of this uh, talks are re- going about React. And then he would like to say, yes, I'm also a re- React developer. And he like he would also introduce new um, 
frameworks, but we have no need for it. That's sometimes a problem. And then we have the discussion, why do you introduce this? Makes no sense. And then, and this is also a little bit, um, ah, let me say, this, this is a problem if we have always a discussion, um, to uh, throw away some libraries where we have no business need for it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the, uh, inter uh, by the way, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that the, that uh, web components and the web standards is way to go. So you are extremely productive yeah. with it. And uh, the uh, other, um, so why React is so popular? It is popular because uh, in contrary to Angular and the, um, for instance, the React is uh, used heavily by Facebook. So this is used by the entire team, really, really heavy. And uh, they have almost no breaking changes. So that's the advantage. So you can rely on React. So React is almost like, you know, a jakarta -y, So it's very stable. And uh, what I thought about is, if you if you look on the, on the web, so uh, the browsers get more and more compatible and faster. And what we already proved, not only we, but you know uh, SAP and the other companies, that you actually uh, don't have to use a framework to be productive. And what I'm thinking is, in one point of time, I would expect Facebook to drop React, because uh, Facebook only uses React because they they need it right now to 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 build you know complex apps, but uh, if they find out that without React, they can even provide leaner apps and faster apps, they will drop React. And then yeah. it's interesting whether the community will step in and take over React and you know maintain React as is maintained now by Facebook because Facebook had resources. And this is what I see a little bit danger of React. So I already mentioned it several times on my clients. I say, um, React is great, but this is the, the a little thing which bothers me. So in one point of time, I would really I have to exp because if you the, the 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 web platform, the web standards, the are, are advancing really really fast. In one point of time, frameworks make absolute no sense. So what I'm absolutely convinced is that the that the you know frameworks make less and less sense every month. So this is my personal opinion. In one point of time, they make no sense. So you can use them if you like, but this is not about liking. It's like business decision, right? So this is what I see the you know the problem with React. So you thought about that as well, or yes, but uh, from a little different perspective because um, we're talking about the front end from my point of view I think you have to rewrite your front end every few years so just because of there are some new trends for user experience out there and if you would like to uh, have happy customers you have to update your front end time by time so our backend service I believe they're stable so we have not to change too often if it's working but the front end I believe in any case we have to rewrite or to change some parts to optimize every few years. So the question is for me more or less, if we say, okay, we go now with uh, this technology and let me say in five years, React uh, is not longer maintained by Facebook, as you mentioned, as an example. Then we say, okay, then we take another invest and update also the user experience to the latest standards which are out there. So this is something because I also don't know, maybe in five years, which is a, a new uh, mobile device, uh, maybe there are some new... Uh, user experience controls maybe you, at the moment we at the, in the business we don't use too much touch screens our applications are responsive but normally every user from us using the mouse yeah as an input device but this could change and so at the moment i believe i'm not investing to change too often from a management point of view because of just to do as an invest uh, every few years why if it's working but uh, thinking about user experience i believe the front end has more um, changes yeah we had a discussion also brief uh last year in a project where the client asked me you know for long long-term strategy uh for mm -hmm. uh for web 
And we had a long discussion, long workshop, and uh, there were external developers. They proposed Angular. It's okay, sorry, but I, I wouldn't, you know, say you know Angular long term strategy. I say yeah, but you know uh, you have to rewrite the rewrite the uh, front end anyway in one point of time, and then you can choose different framework. And and this is now if you think about us, what we are doing, we are just using you know the blank web technology. If a new framework is on the horizon, this framework will have to use exactly the same technology we are choosing behind the scenes because ES6 is in the browser and ES6 is what runs in the browser. Of course, there could be a framework which uses VASM, uh, this, this uh, mm. WebAssembly, or Canvas. Yeah. This, this is, of course, always possible, but let's, uh, as long as we have DOM, DOM can be accessed by JavaScript period, and whether it is accessed you know, by React or Angular, it is, uh, at the end of the day, accessed by a framework. So, and now... With the knowledge of uh, DOM and web components and web standards, you can actually very quickly um, understand whatever framework is on the horizon because you have the. This is exactly the same. No, if you know yep. uh, if you know JPA, you will understand Hibernate and uh, you will understand Eclipse Link very quickly and even JDO because they are similar. You know, but if you um, if you will start with a crazy generator framework, um, I'm not sure whether it is that easy to understand. You know, uh, JPA for instance. And um, so what it means then, we have the decision, uh, because it's not like um, we, we can introduce the new stuff incrementally, so we can rewrite, you know, rewrite the front end just by making it look differently, add new features with the same stack. So um, exactly what we will do, we could you know, rewrite the backend still using Java. But if you, let's say, would use Angular, and Angular disappears, now you have the problem yeah. because you will have to relearn to complete another framework, then this framework uh, disappears, and then you have relearned completely to another framework. And I would say this is almost impossible to relearn quickly oh. in, in a product development and 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 ship something you know meaningful. It is great for consultants, but is really <laughs> uh, really you know problematic for for uh, longer projects. What I doing is company and even products even worse. But with your approach, you can always decide, you know, to use framework if you like. So you could actually, you know, if you like right now, you can say in this part of the app, I will use React and the remaining part, you know, remains web components. Why? Because web components don't have any virtual DOM. Um, there, there's just, you know, there's like, you know what's going on. But if we would invest now, let's say in React or Angular, then you have a little bit understand more what the framework is doing, you know, where it yeah. updates the DOM. And this different story. So I think this issue have take to account. If uh, a framework disappears, how long you will need to become productive in the next framework, right? Exactly, because of, um, when I started this company uh, a few years ago, when I have the first ideas, I also uh, developed them with Angel One, which was quite cool. Um, because of, I think web components was not so, uh, as the browsers uh, didn't support them very well yeah. uh, a few years ago. Uh, And then, so because of, I'm also open for using frameworks, let me say. So, but yep. uh, in general, at the moment, I, I see no real added value by using yep. them. And that's the issue. So I think we are as productive as if we use a, a framework. So, and then if we have the choice, I would say no. Then we go with the standards. Very easy. Um, I think exactly that's the moment. But I think also sometimes if we have some, I, be, I believe, but this is always if you have a technology stack, you have sometimes a problem with some. Uh, some a little problems, but you have the same problems also with framework. So you have to spend time to solve some problems to uh, build up a workaround or something for some bugs. And uh, so you have this in all, all technologies. So we also spend sometimes 
additional time because if we don't use a framework, which uh, sometimes uh, problems are already solved if you use a, pro uh, a framework, but on the other side, some problems we don't have because if we don't use these frameworks. So at the moment, um, uh, I, b I believe it's the right approach, but uh, I also don't know, maybe in a few years, something will change. And and I believe, uh, as you said, that we are on the basis from web standards, we, are, we have the best starting position if there are some changes on the market in a few years. Yeah. And um, regarding the, the conference, so what I did is, uh, it was in October, I was actually in uh invited i proposed a talk just for fun on international javascript conference in munich and my talk was like effective development without frameworks and as you can imagine you know most of the attendees uh just attended talks uh, about frameworks and uh what's interesting the room the, the room was completely full and uh, i just you know showed a little bit you know uh, web components then uh lit html and then build a small app more and more complex with grid but no frameworks at all and I expected, you know, a huge backlash because I never was on a JavaScript. I'm actually a Java developer. I never was on JavaScript conference. And uh, what happened afterwards, the people came to me and they said, this is amazing. They didn't even knew that you could build anything without a framework. And they were young developers. So they, they, the, 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 the interesting part, most of the Java developers, um, JavaScript developers expect, you know, framework first because they, they think it is impossible to be productive without a framework. And, they, and, and actually, the feedback was quite good, which amazed me. Amazed me. And um, yeah, this is what I feedback. So what you could do, for instance, you know, um, send your developers to a JavaScript uh, conference with a talk and, exp and, and, you know, talk about your experience, and then it will flip. So uh, then they will see, you know, the developers, okay, uh, what we are doing is actually absolutely interesting, and uh, we are cutting edge, not like building a you know, legacy app. Uh, but, but what you mentioned is also my experience that... Um... If you're talking with young about young developers, I believe sometimes they, they they search wrong in the internet. Instead of using just ES6 standards, mm -hmm. they searching and find some pages for some workarounds, and then you uh, then they implement it in on some solutions where let me say in a jQuery style where we have no need for using jQuery. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is sometimes I believe I say always please go first to MDN, try to uh, double check the documentation, and then if if then if there's no solution, then Think about what we can do. Maybe it's necessary that we add an external library. And most of the time, so uh, we are happy with this approach. But if you don't uh, review the stuff, uh, you will uh, find many uh, external libraries inside your product. Yeah. So with young developers, because of, I believe uh, sometimes the, the search engine optimizing could be better for MDN. <laughs> yeah. For Google. Yeah, that's true. The, the, the SEO for MDN, they should improve that. Yeah. And um, this is also not, not that known that MDN is the canonical resource of web standards that yeah. actually Google, Mozilla, Samsung, and uh, who knows, who else? Uh, well, well, actually, Microsoft committed that the MDN is the canonical resource how to document web standards. What I forgot to ask you regarding the backend, you mentioned uh, the last uh, AXFM episode that uh, you are investigating Quarkus. So... Um, how this is going? So you're still keeping investigating, or uh, yes, we did some prototypes with it, mm -hmm. um, but we haven't not yet in production. So for different reasons, because of a big workload. So we had some modules uh, which working fine, but we only tested it on the let me say the simple modules. Mm -hmm. Just that we have chucks the S and CDI mm -hmm. without any JPA mm -hmm. uh, stuff. Um, 
because we all, at the moment we have also some key clock, so we, we changed this to uh, micro-profile JSON web token, mm -hmm. because we had some key clock sub-modules inside. So, but we did this for some modules. It's working quite fine, um, but we have also think about the um, developer experience, how to manage this in general. At the moment on our system, um, if you have the full platform, you have one Wildfly where we deploy for development just 10 WAR files, 10 web applications on one Wildfly for development. Mm -hmm. um, but with Quarkus, it's a little bit different to run this all in parallel. Uh, this is something where we have to think about how to combine all the different approaches. If you have some approaches uh, where we use traditional uh, uh, JE development, like for example, for the Kamunda PPM engine, I'm not sure if we should uh, be the early mover and try to let it run on Quarkus because there's a lot of dependencies inside. Uh, what uh, uh, what Quarkus provides, this should look on it, is called Cogito. This is like a uh, uh, BPM and uh, like Drools, not BPMN. This is more Drools engine, so this could help you. This is a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, because for uh, for the Kamunda, we use uh, they provide a Wildfly submodule, okay. and we are using this. And but this is one of our services. But the most of our services are JEE applications without any dependencies. Mm -hmm. And for this, uh, Quarkus is, I believe, the right choice. But then we have to think about if you develop in the product and you have different services, how, what's the best approach to switch between one application you develop on a Wildfly application server, let me say in a traditional way, mm -hmm. and two applications, serve, uh, two applications you develop with a Quarkus style. Mm -hmm. This is something where we have to think about to keep it still simple to develop our stuff inside. Yeah, cool. And uh, how, yeah. how fast your application starts? So all your modules or is it? Um, I, I, so on, on, within the Docker where we have the native, um, how do you say, the, where we compile real native with a Graal VM, uh, I think it was uh, much less than one second. So this was really incredibly fast. So that's yeah, uh, uh, cool. okay, Quarkus, but right now with the Whitefly, so, so mm -hmm. uh, with the Whitefly, it normally starts on the server in four seconds, three to four seconds. Okay. So uh, a new developer never uh, complaining about, you know, startup performance or deployment performance, so they're no, happy? No, uh, three seconds, that's absolutely fine, yes. Thank so you. because, and if you, um, if you have the interface where you're running in debug mode, you have not to deploy all the time if you only develop within the, uh, within a method. So mm -hmm. the startup time is normally no issue in our development. Because if you have not, uh, if you have a lot of dependencies and it would take 30 seconds mm -hmm. to start up the server, then I think it's a problem. But so normally the server runs all the time and we, if we're not running in debug mode, we just deploy a single application and this takes two or three seconds. We also started to uh, remove step-by-step EGPs, the Enterprise mm -hmm. Java Beans, mm -hmm. because if we would like to go to Quarkus, it's not longer possible. And without the Enterprise Java Beans, the startup time is faster also. Oh, really? Okay, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, how much faster is it if you remove the EGBs and uh, just keep, you know, CDI with transaction? Uh, in, in, in some applications where we have around about 10 or 15 uh, stateless session beans. Yeah. Um, I would say it's uh, because of uh, the initialization time. Uh, when you start the application, it takes a bit longer. So I, I have no real figures, but I believe at least it's one second faster the startup time. Two, uh, two seconds, you say? Uh, one, one second, I believe. If you have normally three or four seconds, Mm -hmm. uh, with a stateless session beans, if we have this out, I would say one second faster. Okay, this is uh, a the worth, normal development. worth investigating, so this is not a simple, yeah. actually. So, okay. Uh, very good. Uh, but but uh, for the startup time, normally, this second for development doesn't matter, let me say. And 
So this is something that we think about, but was the only reason why we tried to get rid of it for Quarkus, just to be uh, uh, also conform with Quarkus that we said, well, you we cannot use the stateless session beams. No, you're, you're right. So it's a way to go. And uh, in one point of time, the EJB is going to be eliminated anyway with CDI annotations because, uh, you know, there's uh, too much overlap with CDI. And uh, if Jakarta E9 comes or Jakarta E10, I think this will happen because we will have to keep, you know, the platform leaner and leaner. There is, uh, overlap is always always bad for complexity. So now uh, the question is to you. So um, are you still, you know, searching for developers? So would you like to hire more web standards yes. or Jakarta E? <laughs> yes, or uh, who you need? Absolutely. Uh, we need uh, front-end developers, JavaScript developers, who have a passion for web standards. That is... Uh, one of our pain points in HR and for Java developers and meanwhile we have a good team but we're always looking for new good people we are always happy to find, have uh, good people on board but uh, for JavaScript developers this is one where we have um, um, more let me say more need for the moment okay. and of course also business guys uh, but with insurance background and so on but I think that's the wrong channel for discussing also uh, we are also searching for a product owner uh, with insurance background this is what we are, um, and we also we have some. But uh, this is, I, I hope that we are able to uh, hire someone in the next few uh, weeks. We're also searching for DevOps guys mm -hmm. because of this full infrastructure. We have one installation on Azure Kubernetes services. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's nothing you can do beside your normal shop. Yeah. It becomes also a bit more complicated. And for this is uh, where we uh, where we decided to hire somebody who takes care about all the. Um, development, which is very close to the infrastructure, and also to set up the system on um, Kubernetes and mm -hmm. other things. So this is also a DevOps uh, uh, position where we're also searching for people. Okay, so uh, and and where people can apply? Uh, yes, just at techlab.com. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a link for hiring. So if they drop an email to jobs at techlab.com, I'm more than happy. Yes. Cool. So now um, what you should do is you should investigate the HTTP2 server 3 optimization yeah. and whether it works yeah. better or not. I'm really curious. And then we should, you know, I will invite you in a few months or weeks, depends yeah. on your success. And uh, we yeah. can have a chat about DevOps and Kubernetes and uh, this part of things because we didn't cover that. If you like, talk about that. So now yeah. uh, how to do CICD on Kubernetes, uh, uh, I can, yeah. So we can chat yeah. about that. This is also a very interesting topic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the DevOps part, uh, yes. But as what you mentioned, the, the Surface 3.0 approach uh, to provide a system browser cache, I, I will try because it sounds very interesting. Yes. Yeah, and this is I'm really fun to implement. About. Really, really fun to implement. Uh, so do it. So you uh, will see. You, you, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So thank uh, you, and cool, uh, yeah. hear you in a few months. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much, Alem.